0: Welcome back, everybody! It's a brand new season. Ben and I are back here, once again in your podcast player. Excited for another uh, CFL season. Uh, hopefully, the first normal season that we've had in uh, a couple of years. Uh, there's tons for us to get to today. Uh, there's tons that we're not going to get to today because we don't want to have a five-hour podcast for you guys. But uh, but we're back. We're excited for the 2022 season of the CFL. And uh, Ben, here we are
1: once again. How are you doing today, my friend? It's a good day to be alive, right? Football's back, almost. It's good times. I'm enjoying retirement life. It's Freedom 42, right? (laughs) I am out of the content writing business. This is the first time in eight years that I didn't spend four hours Wednesday morning typing 3,500 words of content for people. The, uh, the number of people in my DMs over the last number of weeks asking, so you, uh, got any of them projections and, uh, like you (laughs) got anything like, uh, content not behind a paywall that I can take. And, uh, my, yeah, yeah, (laughs) just that Dave Chappelle gift, just all over everything. Right. So, the yeah, no, I am not writing yeah. any content this year unless somebody would like to pay me the $20,000 annually that I am seeking, in which case I will personally write you <laughs> content every week, delivered to your in mailbox. Nobody else gets to see it. I am for hire, but I am finally demanding what I am <laughs> worth and not the couple thousand dollars that people are willing to pay so yeah this pod- you're, an un- you're an unrestricted free yep. agent so this podcast is the only place Completely you're going to find me I do have the Twitter account but like I told you I basically just make fun of people on Twitter there is not a whole lot of actionable <laughs> information on there but here we go we'll have our fun good times to talk about the DraftKings the prize picks the lines and man the, the good fun that you can have with Bette Regal if you're willing to be screwed over by some sketchy European book <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we've we're going to try and keep this under an hour. We've got so much that we could get into. Um we're we're not even mentioning the fact that there was the USFL or I don't even know if the USFL is still around, but <laughs> week uh, 9 of the is, worst uh, football you've ever football. watched. <laughs> <laughs> this is the football CFL. This is the football we're looking forward to. Um and yes, there's the Bet Regal if if uh we, maybe we'll get to that maybe another week. We've got a lot to get to today, but, um, but yeah, we've got lots that we're getting to today. Uh, we're excited for a new CFL season. Um, the, around here, it's been funny in uh, Edmonton here where I'm at, obviously there was, was lots of Oilers, car flags, and all that kind of good stuff. Not so much now that they're out of the playoffs. And I saw the one, uh, the one fact online that said that an American team Has won the Grey Cup more recently than a CFL or than a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I'll say that again. An American team has won the Grey Cup more recently than a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. So... I'd be shocked if I cared about hockey. Yeah. Well, I do have fun with hockey on Prize Picks, and that's okay. And uh, we've got some exciting new we've got some exciting news about Prize Picks. But uh, as always, Ben, can you let our listeners know about Prize Picks and what goodies
1: lay in store for them there? <laughs> Prize Picks is the site that makes fantasy sports simple. You just pick over/unders on two to five players on individual stats or fantasy scores for more sports than you can count. Now including CFL football and win real cash money. So right now, if you sign up with promo code Ben Yamin B E Y. Or B E N Y A M E N, just like my Twitter handle. You can get a one hundred percent bonus on your first deposit and help support the show. That's prize picks. Daily fantasy made easy. Now with CFL.
0: Woohoo! That's right. We got CFL in the prize picks. Ben pulled some strings. He made them an offer he they couldn't refuse. And we're excited to have the prize cfl in the prize picks and obviously you guys are here you're listening to this podcast as you're listening you're probably signing up right now using that code ben Yamin, b-e-n-y-a-m-e-n and now you're probably wondering well hey guys what are some uh you know what is some value on prize picks for uh, cfl players uh well ben are is there some value that guys can uh
1: Well, we'll have to dig a little bit, but I think I found only about 15 values this week that are within about a 25% (laughs) edge versus the projections that I have. So, like, let's say it fairly simply that, yeah, there's some juicy stuff out there this week if you get to it before these numbers adjust. And I assume once the podcast is out, probably there will be some adjustments that happen. But I'll start running down some of these in the uh, yardage props. William Stanback has a prop of 59.5 rushing yards. And You can take the over on that pretty confidently. He's back to full practice this week. He had only three games last season under 59.5 rush yards, including an 82-yard rush game versus Calgary in Week 3 over 59.5 rushing yards is pretty solid. Moving to receiving yards, you've got Kamar Jordan at 40.5 receiving yards and his teammate Reggie Bagleton at 55.5 receiving yards. You can take the over on both of those. Jordan only had four games under that total last season and Bagleton could frankly get 55.5 targets in this game, let alone 55.5 receiving yards. So, he could easily project for near double that 55.5 yard number. Um, Duke Williams is another one with a pretty easy over at 45 and a half receiving yards. He was over 45 and a half in five of six games last season, and now has a full off season with Fajardo and the coaches in this system. He should be ready to roll right out of the gates. Moving over to the fantasy points area of the projections and the Prize Pick lines, Vernon Adams is at 17 and a half fantasy points. You can take the over there with about a 25 percent edge versus projections same thing for kamar jordan at 11 and a half fantasy points about 25 percent over projections reggie bagleton at a 13 and a half fantasy point projection He's good 30% edge versus projection. Take the over there as well. Zach Kalaros at 15.5 fantasy points. He projects closer to 20. You can take the over at about a 25% edge. Dane Evans, I'd like to throw in the dumpster, but he does go at 13.5 fantasy points, and I'll take the (laughs) over there. Again, he projects around 18, so about a 30% edge. He's probably the one that I'm most scared of out of that whole bunch of projections just because there's a chance he could go... As he did last year at Mosaic Stadium, two for 14 and then ride the pine. Uh, Without Mazzoli there, it's not as big a risk, but certainly he has a lower floor than just about anybody else in this list. His teammate Braylon Addison, 13 and a half fantasy point prop line is an easy over as he projects close to 18 for about a 25% edge. And finally, I'll give you Nathan Rourke, BC Lions quarterback at a 14 and half point line. He projects closer to 20, so that's about a 30% edge for you and an easy over there as well. The one to keep an eye on that I'm not as strong on yet is what will happen with the Saskatchewan backfield. Jamal Morrow is set to start, but Keenan LaFrance is getting carries and... Uh, Frankie Hickson, I think is his name, is the other component of what's probably yeah. going to be a three-headed backfield in Saskatchewan. Those Moro unders could become pretty interesting depending on how the depth chart shakes out. Right now, they're getting Moro a little bit of an edging carries in practice, but both of the other two are still getting work with the ones and probably will be a bit more of a rotation. So all those Jamal Moro unders, whether it's yardage or carries or anything else could certainly be in play depending on what the depth chart shows us later on this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, I think the whole running back by committee thing, we'll probably get more into that as we, once we talk about the drafting lines, but I think that's going to be kind of one of the themes for this season for the running back position is that it's going to be a lot more committees, uh, than the, the one, the one or two studs kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's an epidemic at this point. I'm more scared um, about the running back by committees than I am the monkeypox, pox. And uh, I think probably it's going to cause a little <laughs> bit of trouble as we go through the season. But yeah, we'll get a little bit into that later on as we talk about the DraftKings side of things. Yeah. So there it
0: is, folks. There's some uh, some heads up. Head over to PrizePix. Use that code BENYAMIN. Um, definitely do some entries. Uh, if if we show prize picks that we're all putting in some entries and, and taking part in that, then uh, they're going to keep doing that through the season. So uh, let's support them as they've been uh, supporting us for sure with this podcast. Okay. So from prize picks, uh, we want to jump over to some of the the game lines and uh, kind of the over-unders and, and take a look at that. Uh, I always find well, I guess the first thing to ask, Ben, are you, are you are you betting on a great cup winner at the start of the season? Are you putting any money down or is there any lines that interest
1: you? I've seen a couple of things in the off season, but the truth of it is I kind of hate season long props. You wind up tying up your money for an entire six months, and it's not like the odds are such exceptional payouts that you get paid more for having it sit there. It's kind of like having it sit in someone else's bank account and you don't get to earn the interest. So I don't play a lot of season-long props. I have seen a couple of season-long props for Rush Yards, for guys like Powell in Ottawa, taking some unders there, Um, for guys like Andrew Harris that are getting prop lines I've seen close to 1200 rush yards and taking unders on some of those. I took a couple of props on season-long win totals. I like Ottawa over six and a half wins this year. I think they're a significantly improved team. Hmm. I like BC and Edmonton, both over six and a half wins. I think they are kind of getting lowballed right now, but I think the additions of Arbuckle and Rourke to those offenses will breathe a fair bit of life into them they didn't have before. So those are more of the props that I'm on for season-long stuff. As far as who's actually going to win it, I don't have a strong lean enough at this point that I'll take a look probably closer to the midway of the season once I've seen how these teams are playing. Those prop lines still exist, then they get a little bit more efficient but that's when I feel like I have enough knowledge to know what I'm actually betting on too so yeah those I'll probably look at later on in the year yourself
0: yeah it was interesting yeah we put up on twitter uh you know who do our listeners think uh, is going to win it all and uh when I last checked 54 percent uh were still picking the blue bombers to win their their third gray cup in a row I think that's that's pretty challenging. You know, it's it's not very often that you hear of dynasty teams anymore and uh there's a lot of parity in sports these days. So um I'm the same I'm the same way. I, there's not enough value uh in in picking a gray cup winner now. Uh you know, I might do it, you know, for some of my teams that I cheer more with my heart than my head, I might throw some money down just for fun kind yeah. of thing, but uh,
1: uh, I wish there was uh, a market in which I in could it. short some of these things right like if i could bet everybody (laughs) but winnipeg i would take everybody but winnipeg in a bet pretty clearly like i think it's just recency bias that people love the bombers well they didn't lose the last two years they'll win again well if it was that easy to pick winners right we'd all be rich so yeah there some of these things even when you see who the mvp candidates are i wish i could pick not zach Kalaros. things like that because you know what those ones (laughs) are fairly easy to me that the knots as opposed to the wills, but yeah, as time goes on, we'll see where things wind up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As for the games this week, um, taking a look now, the thing about the start of the season, I always find is, um, you know, even the books aren't even sure of, of where things are going to land. Uh, so I do think there's a lot more value that can be had at the start of a season, as opposed to even midway through the season, Uh, kind of books get smarter, players get smarter. Uh, there's not as much,
1: (laughs) some books get smarter, swings
0: (laughs) one way or the other. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Some books get smarter. Um, like right now. So the first game of the week, uh, Montreal Calgary, that's on Thursday night. Um, right now kind of the books are minus three, minus three and a half for, for Calgary. Uh, with a, and pretty well the, all the over unders are like 47 and a half across all the books. Uh, the only exception is Edmonton and BC; they're at forty-eight. Yeah. Uh, so really, forty-seven, forty-eight uh, is kind of the over-under,
1: which is really interesting. The, the in over-under,
0: I'm because
1: if you take a look, last year most well, lines opened up in both that forty-one to forty-three range for the team for the game totals yeah. to start the season. Um, I think you've seen books yeah. react a little bit to hoping that some of the rule changes in the off-season bring a bit more offense and reacting to some of the higher scoring mm-hmm. games in the preseason. But the reality is almost every year without fail, the first couple of weeks are lower scoring as the defenses have a little bit of an advantage coming into camp because offenses have to find their sink, whereas defenses just have to hit them in the teeth. Um, I yeah. yeah, We'll get into each game as we go, but 47.5 and, and 48 totals, yeah. those are pretty high for early season CFL football. So it'll be interesting to see where these play out.
0: Well, I- and I think because of the last couple seasons have been, have been funky. Yeah. They've been weird with COVID and pandemic and all that kind of stuff. So I took a look at it. So last season, so 2021, out of the first two weeks, there was only one game that was over 47 yeah. points. Now, if you contrast that with 2019, in the first two weeks, there was only one game um, that went under 47 so, the start of 2019, there was a lot of high scoring games to start the season. Last year, it was a lot of low scoring games to start the season. So, I kind of feel like the book's kind of like, well, okay, well, 47, let's <laughs> throw that against the wall and, and see what sticks. So, uh, for me, that's, yeah. So, for me, that's where I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just going to stay away from the over unders. I'm going to see what the first week uh, kind of brings. And, um, yeah, kind of go from there. Uh, I guess the the one game, if if I'm gonna be putting money on a game, I think it's the uh, the Hamilton at Saskatchewan game. Uh, I think Saskatchewan at home is uh you know there's right now they're about minus one and a half, minus two, kind of in that range depending on the book. Uh, I think Saskatchewan uh, is the same, if not a little better than last season. Uh, the last couple of years, Hamilton and Saskatchewan have split their uh, their games with the home team winning. Um, and even last season when Hamilton won, yeah, it was the last game of the season. So it was you know, obviously a lot of guys were probably Yeah, saying, that was a full you know, dumpster fire game. Uh, not giving a 100- hundred. There was
1: nobody playing in that game. <laughs>
0: yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, totally. So I think Saskatchewan at home, you know, usually it's a three point uh, advantage playing at home. Uh, I think I'll be putting money on the riders uh, at home to play. Uh, if, if you think Hamilton has done better, then yeah, play the money line better odds there if you just play the hamilton money line uh especially with uh, basically a coin flip uh a pick here so but yeah if i'm gonna bet a game it's that's gonna saskatchewan game is gonna be the one i'm gonna bet on and stay i'm gonna stay away from the over-unders for now that's so. fair
1: like i uh back two weeks ago when week one lines came out i managed to get ottawa minus 13 and a half. So that one has moved four points in the last ten days here and i'm I'm pretty confident in Ottawa minus thirteen and a half. It's opening night, but Ottawa...
0: Minus 13 or plus 13?
1: Oh, sorry, plus 13 and a half. Yeah, Ottawa plus 13 and a half. So yeah, no, I felt really good about that one because I think at the very least they can keep it within two touchdowns. Like They were terrible last year, no question. But they have a new quarterback. They have got five new receivers. They have got some defensive improvements. Winnipeg is down both Lawler and Adams and Harris on offense. They're going to be in a bit of a... Transition. They've lost some of their pieces over time, too. I think even if you just regress things to the mean, Ottawa can't be as bad as what they were last year forever, especially with the improvements they've made in personnel. And Winnipeg can't possibly be as good as they were on defense last season over the course of forever. It just can't hold. So even if you regress them back to the mean, even a little bit, there's certainly a 13 and a half point. Line that I felt really good at with Ottawa. And even at plus nine and a half mm-hmm. or 10 for Ottawa in some places it sits right now, I like that quite a bit. Uh, I think I got the Ottawa money line at like plus 685 back two weeks ago when it was 13 and a half. So I don't think Ottawa's going to win, but I think they'll keep it close. And if they're in it near the end, just like that first preseason game versus Toronto, where they were 14 point dogs and then managed to pull it out and beat Toronto, like they'll be in it. And if you can get any bet at plus 685 in a professional football game, in a first game of a season where really we don't know anything. And that's the most important thing to remember yeah. is going into week one, all we know is the past and that's not necessarily predictive of the future. So yeah, I kind of like if you can get Ottawa yeah, totally. at a good line, like I said, I got plus 13 and a half. You might be able to still find it at 11 or 12 in some places, even though it's down to nine or 10 in most spots. That's probably my favorite bet of the week as far as lines and over-unders. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's good considering that, that Ottawa money line right now on cool bet is down to plus 320. So it's gone down pretty yep. well half from from when you got it kind of thing. So so obviously the bettors are, are moving those lines uh, and the books are starting to recognize that. So um, yeah, so those are some, some good bets there for you guys. Uh, let us know on Twitter uh what you guys think and and what picks you guys are putting in and uh we would love to interact with you guys on, on Twitter. You can find us at Plays in Action on there. Um okay, let's jump over to DraftKings, a new season of DraftKings. Lots of contests up um for this for this new season. Um I so Ben what what contests are you looking forward to? Maybe before we dive into each of the player positions, is there um and you know any tips or tricks for for guys um uh, looking to do their entries.
1: Yeah. Week 1 is going to be a unique spot to play in that we may or may not see again this season. That uh usually week 1 opens up with really large contests and there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of people interested and excited because there hasn't been football in 5 months since the Super Bowl. This year, the USFL changed things a little bit, and now there's competition for those football DFS dollars. So the opening week contests for CFL aren't nearly as large as they once were, despite the fact that the USFL is the most unwatchable football I've ever tried to force myself to swallow. Um, (laughs) It's American, and Americans love America. So, yeah, there will be probably a fair bit of overlay. I was looking yesterday, and there's a... There's a $180 entry GPP and CFL. It had one of 36 entries so far with uh, a little over a day to go until the contest locks. So I would expect there will probably be a fair bit of overlay, especially in the high dollar contests, uh, the larger entry fees, simply because I think DraftKings hasn't adjusted to the fact that Ontario is dead to them. Um, Given the legislation the Ontario government Mm -hmm. passed, people in Ontario can't play, and that's a third of Canada's population. So I think probably after week one, we might see the size of some of these contests fall pretty significantly as DraftKings adjusts to the actual size of the client pool this year. So if you plan on playing and hope to win big, Week one is really the week to try and go all in and hope for the best. Um, With the difficulty and the caveat being, as I said before, given it's week one of the season, the most important thing to remember is that what we know is nothing. Whatever confidence level you have in a player or team, you need to temper a lot and be ready for chaos because every season is a new season. And all we have to work on right now is essentially 2021 numbers, historical projections, and then my best guesses as to what changes in the off season might affect things. So you have to be ready for a fair bit of variance in week one through a lot of volatility and your optimizer clicks end and hope for the best because yeah, there'll be chaos. We just don't know what that chaos is going to be yet. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You kind of have to put away kind of all of your preconceptions and your, you know, who you were, you know, riding to victory last season um, and be like, you know what, this is a new season. Um, new, you know, teams are adjusted players have moved coaching staffs have moved. Uh, so they 2022 is going to be a different season than 2021. And so you need to look ahead and not behind. So. So let's dive in. Let's let's go through each position. Let's, as always, let's start with the quarterback back position. Uh, who do you like, Ben? Who do you don't like as much? So I'll
1: take you through some of kind of the core cash plays and then give you a couple flyers at the end here, too. The first thing I noticed looking at the player pool this week is that there's no more Michael Riley, and that left kind of a weird sensation after... Him being the quarterback of note for the past... Well, ever since DraftKings started offering CFL contests. So, yeah, to... Mm -hmm. Start off the quarterback position this week. Vernon Adams and Zach Caleros are pretty much a clear top two plays at the positions projection-wise and are priced near the top of the scale as well, but both have some significant questions around them too. Vernon Adams is coming off a major arm injury, and he already had interception problems in 2021. And then in his first quarter of action in the preseason in 22, he threw three interceptions in the first quarter of his return to action in the preseason. He was making all the same mistakes as last. Last year, trying to throw low percentage deep balls when he could take easy checkdowns to move the chains, and now he's got two quarterbacks behind him that could frankly take his job, despite the fact they've paid him like the full-time unquestioned starter in the off-season. So I'd say Vernon Adams probably has the best ceiling. Mm-hmm of any quarterback in the game given his rushing upside and the receiving core that he's got but he also has total immolation risk in Calgary versus a defense that allowed the second fewest passing TDs per attempt in 21. So... I don't know if I would go Adams in cash. He is certainly a high volatility option with as high a ceiling as exists if you're willing to go there in GPPs. Um, Zach Kalaros should probably be the safer play in a home opener versus what was a terrible Ottawa defense from a year ago. But he is also now down as top two receivers as Kenny Lawler's wound up in Edmonton and Darvin Adams has tailed off to Ottawa. His total lack of running ability also means you probably need to double Stack him in GPPs, maybe even in cash games, if you expect him to be able to pay off his near $10,000 price tag. Ottawa was the worst pass defense in the league by a large margin last season, but they've improved their offense a lot, and that might protect their defense a little bit more and keep them off the field and protect them a little bit from some of those other possibilities. So I'd say those are probably your two cash game plays but they're going to be a little bit sketchy Uh, a couple cheaper options in the cash game conversation potentially are nathan rourke in bc Um, you could have evans in hamilton or even arbuckle in edmonton in the 8k range altogether Rourke has very little track record as anybody would know but he's a dual threat quarterback with an exceptional receiving core in Whitehead, Burnham Rhymes, and even Butler at running back who's a really good receiver and they'll face an Edmonton pass defense that allowed the most passing TDs per attempt in 21. He's kind of a poor man Vernon Adams that costs you $2,000 less and may have similar upside and may actually be the better quarterback by the end of the season we'll have to see uh, Nick Arbuckle is the other one that I'm Interested in that 8K range. He had an exceptional half season filling in for Bo Levi Nichols last year, before actually signing in Ottawa and then winding up in Toronto before being benched for Macbeth in Toronto. Well, not actually looking that bad. Toronto's offense was a little bit of a dumpster fire to start the season. Now, I actually quite like Arbuckle and his skill set. I think being able to play with receivers like Lawler, Walker, mm-hmm. and Wilder as or Fletcher as receiving backs to throw to an Edmonton should likely. Limit his mistakes. He's got rushing ability to scramble and make plays versus a Lions defense that struggled down the stretch in 2021, allowing the third most yards per attempt and an above average. TDs per attempt as well through the air so at their price tags in matchups with Hamilton and Winnipeg you have Fajardo and Mazzoli as well that are just absolute GPP flyers both of them are priced up in that 10k range both see probably the two most difficult matchups on the week they are both going to be probably single digit owned and interesting in that sense in some of the larger field GPPs but I think they pretty much are out of contention as far as the cash game goes or even just Three max type contests. Yep. Now, as a as a
0: as a fan, is there any quarterback you're excited to watch to kind of see, um, you know what he what he uh, what he looks like, what you know what weapons he has around him. Yeah, I
1: think the the three yeah. quarterbacks I'm most excited about going into this season are Rourke and BC with Whitehead Burnham Rhymes and that trio to work with. And especially, I watched him in Ohio. I've seen the kid run. He has multiple touchdown games on the ground throughout his college career. He's got all the upside you could hope for in a dual threat quarterback. And he's probably going to be lower owned to start the season, Mm -hmm. despite the fact he put up 40 points in his single game of DFS action in 2021. Um, So yeah, I like him a lot coming into the season. I'm interested to see Arbuckle and Edmonton. I think he is a major upgrade for them at quarterback over what they have had the last few years. Again, he's a dual threat quarterback that can make things happen in a lot of different ways. Um, I think again, that receiving core has enough talent. Walker has a lot to prove. I put it on Twitter the other day. He had about a 45% drop in his per target rates last season versus his career rates. So either he's totally dusted and he's toast, or he's going to have a significant bounce back this year with a better quarterback in Arbuckle. Um, and then finally, just seeing Mazzoli be an unquestioned starter for the first time in a long time. I think Hamilton did him dirty. I can't mm-hmm. believe they gave Dave Nenevins the job over Mazzoli, but hopefully he can do some things in pulling Ottawa out of the dumpster they've lived in for the last number of years and give some of those guys some life. Because that, even that wide receiver room is totally revamped. They've got four new receivers that are better than any receiver they had last year outside of Ryan Davis. I think he's got a lot of possibilities there too. So those are probably my three favorite quarterbacks going into the year to see what happens.
0: Yep. And I think on the topic of Arbuckle as well too, similar to what you were saying about Ottawa, um, Edmonton can't be as bad as they were last season. Uh, just statistically speaking, uh, you know, the, the, the terrible teams are eventually going to get better and the top teams are eventually going to degrade and, and kind of come back down to earth a little bit. So, um, you know, as we start a new season, that's I think something to certainly watch uh, is those players that, you know, maybe were on the dumpster fire of teams last season. Uh, maybe they're able to turn things around and there's some value, especially early on in the season. Uh, there's value in those players. Okay, let, let's move over to running back. Um, we we touched on it a little bit earlier that uh, this season looks like there's going to be a lot more committees uh, back there rather than, than one stud standing back there for the whole game.
1: Yeah, I think the only three that we can somewhat count on, and even they'll have some questions to their workload, are Kadim Carey in Calgary, William Standback in Montreal, and then Butler in BC. They're going to be the top three projected running backs this week and all priced accordingly in that 8 to 9K range. Carey didn't catch many balls last year. Mm-hmm. He had a number of games with zero or one receptions, and he became really TD dependent for his scoring. He had some massive weeks, but if he didn't score multiple touchdowns, he was probably going to be... disappointment. So he also now has competition for touches potentially in Dedrick Mills, who the coaches seem to love in the preseason and who seemed to kind of just run roughshod over defenses in the action that he saw in the two games in preseason as well. So Montreal allowed the third most yards per carry and the most TDs per carry by a wide margin last season. So the matchup is certainly there. The issue oh. is going to be what that split will look like for a near 10k priced running back in Kadim Carey and how much he might actually give over to Dedrick Mills. So we know last year the anti Milanovic Litre kind of got his three or four carries a game and one or two targets, and he'd come in in kind of obvious passing situations for protection. It'll be interesting to see what the roles shake out to this year. So Kerry certainly has maybe the highest ceiling of any running back but he also has that risk that's built into that 10 k price range that is a little bit higher than he has seen in previous years. Standback and Butler should be much safer plays as far as workload goes. They are quite entrenched for at least 80% plus of the snaps and running back touches for their teams. Standback practiced in full this week. Seems like he's totally healthy and he faces a Calgary defense that was kind of just above average versus the rush in 2021. His fallback is going to be his Lack of involvement as a receiver, and that makes him again pretty touchdown and bonus dependent for hitting value, especially if Adams continues to ignore checkdowns like he did all of 2021 when he was playing. Um, Standback went from getting three or four targets a game in 19 to zero to one in most games in 21. So, we'll have to see how the offense shakes out for him this year because at that price, you're expecting at least two or three targets for those PPR points for him. Butler, on the other hand, for BC, had multiple receptions in each of his last seven games of 2021. He has the backfield all to himself this season with Rainey and Cooper gone, and he gets a nice matchup with Edmonton that was amongst the worst in the league versus the run in 21 with a 5.4 yards per carry and above average TD rate per carries. So, those three are going to be kind of the the top of the projections the rest of the running back field gets a lot more messy as there are likely to be as you said committees in Edmonton with Wilder and Fletcher Saskatchewan with Morrow and Hickson Winnipeg with Oliveira and Augustine Hamilton with Don Jackson, Sean Thomas Erlington, and the rest of the clown car that they let carry the ball through slot back. And then Ottawa, really nobody has any idea what to expect out of that backfield yet. So any of these dozen guys could be the top scoring running back on the week and they have paths to getting there. But, each of them could also barely see the field if the teams ride the hot hand and they are not that on a given week. So their workloads are all a lot more sketchy. So if you're playing cash games or simple double-ups, probably Standback, butler, and carry are your safest options in the running back range. If you're playing 20, 30, 40, 50 entries in some of the larger contests, then I can certainly see some exposure to wilder, One of Hickson or Morrow, maybe one or two lineups each of Oliveira and Augustine. If you're feeling interesting with Don Jackson, he seemed to carve out most of the role in Hamilton last year, but that's a bit of an outlier for their history over the last three or four years. Um, Yeah, they're just a lot more high risk plays that certainly have a ceiling that could be a top 10% kind of output, but could also get you close to a zero for any one of those dozen guys on any given game, depending on what their coaches do. And that's the kind of stuff that we'll really only see as the season carries on. And that's not too helpful for determining what you want to do in week one. They're basically flyer options that are GPP only.
0: Yeah, seems like uh, you might as well just throw all the running backs' names on a board and throw a dart at it and hope for the best. It's uh, Especially this week one, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do with the running backs.
1: Yeah. We're seeing more committees in the CFL this year than any that we've ever seen previously. Even Toronto, who's not playing this week, Like Andrew Harris has been paid $170,000 to come play running back at age 36 there. I can't imagine he's seeing all the carries there either. They've always had at least two or three backs active. Somebody is going to split with him and then we'll see how long it takes for him to have a meltdown because he's not getting all the love that he thinks he deserves. So we'll see uh, where Toronto takes things to when they take the field next week. Yeah.
0: Um, so best of luck to everybody. As you build your DraftKings lineups when it comes to the running back position. Um, now what about the wide receiver position? Uh, Is there some more, you know, obvious studs at this position?
1: Yeah, I think there's about four really obvious top plays at wide receiver, and they are all priced accordingly. So at wide receiver, you've got Bageltown that's always open for business. It's the top play, given how he played down the stretch, getting nine or ten targets a game. He was used immeasurably by Calgary from week 15 on. The issue for him and Kamar Jordan, his team beat, will be whether it's Bo Levi Nichols or Bo Levi Mitchell that shows up to start the season for Calgary. (laughs) Um, It was all nickels in the preseason, right? Like there is multiple interceptions looking shook in the pocket. The arm didn't look good. Multiple picks and just generally not looking anything like an all-star level quarterback anymore. And Jake Meyer is just sitting there right behind Mitchell, just waiting for his opportunity. And anytime he's seen the field, he's looked absolute top caliber. So the workload should certainly be there for Bagleton to start the season. Kamar Jordan, probably very similar, just a little bit less. Less workload versus a pretty mediocre Montreal secondary. The issue is going to be, it's probably going to be Bo Levi to start the season for at least three or four games, I would guess, to see if he's got anything left in the tank and whether he can serviceably get those guys the football in what should be at least a seriously accessible matchup. Um, After Bagleton, you've got Lucky Whitehead, Braylon Addison, and Geno Lewis that round out the top four at wide receiver, and they're pretty much the clear top tier head and tails above everybody else at the wide receiver position. all have big playability, should see seven plus targets a game. Whitehead and Addison also have the opportunity for carries as ball carriers out of the backfield or on special teams with return yardage, so that's kind of a bonus to their opportunities from a fantasy perspective as well. They're all in that 9-10k range, but they are the clear top plays on the board the issue will be finding values to fit them and that's kind of always the trick going into week one and not knowing what these depth charts will shake out as so Edmonton is by far the best matchup mm-hmm. of the three for any of those guys so it comes down to how comfortable folks feel with the untested Nathan Rourke as the quarterback for BC and what they choose to do with those BC trio of receivers. Uh, The next tier includes the Winnipeg trio of Ellingson, Dembski, and Bailey, along with secondary receivers from some other teams to round out that tier, including Jake Weineke, Brian Burnham, and Tim White from Hamilton. Winnipeg's offense gets what should be a great matchup versus Ottawa, but the target shares are tough to know for in this Bombers offense, given the loss of Lawler and Adams in the offseason. The change at running back to Oliver and Augustine as kind of a two-headed hot hand situation could also take some time for coverages and blocking assignments to adjust in that offense. All three of those Winnipeg guys are going to be within two fantasy points of each other in projections and is meant to are a great double stack option with Zach Colaros if you're paying him in GPPs with Bailey likely to be the lowest owned out of those players if you're going the Arbuckle route at quarterback I think Lawler is pretty overpriced at 10k he's still living off of his Winnipeg fame in that Winnipeg offense and the highest team total of the week Given that Edmonton's passing struggles happened as they did in 21, he'll be definitely the lowest owned of those 9K-plus priced options in GPPs. On his own, he's a pretty expensive stack option with Arbuckle, but if you want, you can go with Edmonton doubles with Darrell Walker, Kenny Lawler, and that brings the average price per player down to that 7K range, which is pretty affordable as Walker is only 5800 despite the fact he spent most of his life on DraftKings in that 8K range. He'll be looking for redemption this season, as I mentioned, as his rates were down about 40% in the uh, dreadful offense they ran last season. So it'll be interesting to see whether he bounces back and provides value in the first few weeks of the season. Saskatchewan had similarly terrible year passing the ball, but $6,700 Duke Williams is probably about 2 k underpriced, while Shaq Evans having had time to fully heal may go near unowned in contests as he's priced over 9 k But he also has as high a ceiling as anybody on this slate, so he's an interesting kind of GPP pivot that almost nobody else will be on. I think the last thing I'll mention is the Ottawa passing game. It's a terrible matchup, as everybody has already noted, versus Winnipeg, obviously, but this is a totally revamped receiver room with Mazzoli under center and a very crowded receiver group with Jalen Acklin kind of bringing the shower narrative into play with Jeremiah Mazzoli coming over with him from Hamilton. You've got Darvin Adams, you've got R.J. Harris, you've got Justin Hardy coming up from the NFL, and Shaq Johnson now coming over from BC. This is a totally different group to throw to, and a totally different quarterback than they've had for the last four or five years. So there's some real weapons there now in Ottawa. They're not just going to roll over. They'll probably all be single-digit owned given the matchup and given their prices. So Ottawa stacks, Ottawa double stacks versus Winnipeg, given that Winnipeg is probably going to be the highest owned defense on the slate, make for some pretty interesting GPP pivots, in my opinion. Hmm.
0: Is this another week you talk about those stacks, is this another week where uh, guys should definitely be looking at stacking that quarterback with, you know, one, two receivers. Yeah,
1: like I think if you're playing a pocket passer like Kalaros, he has to be double stacked because he's not going to get you the points to get to the top of the leaderboard with just one receiver going big. Two guys are going to go big if he gets his 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. So I think Kalaros is a double stack. Yeah. Um, any of these other guys, like I said, Mazzoli could certainly be a single given his rushing upside Arbuckle also could be single. Um, Rourke could be a single. The thing is with those guys, they're probably also going to have doubles available given the talent that are in their receiving cores. BC, it's not a stretch to think that both Whitehead and Burnham or Rhymes two of those have big games if work has a big game. So I think probably doubles will be the way to build in most contests. It, singles will probably be a lower owned option. If you think that the running game will be a thing for some of these quarterbacks. Um, but most of the time when I'm building out GPPs, they're all double stacks to start with.
0: Yep. Yeah. And it seems like based on the conversation you had about running back position, uh, stay, uh, I'm guessing you're saying, you know, stay away from putting a running back into one of those flex positions. You save those for. Is there more value in the wide receiver position? Yeah, like position, there's I certainly guess, a lot higher upside
1: at the receiver position that'll get you to the top of contests that are super top heavy. So it would be a rare thing where I'd yeah. play more than one running back this week, unless I'm looking for something that's kind of really yeah. off the board and playing stand back and Butler as two expensive running backs and punting the wide receiver position somewhere. But those are going to be really low outcome type of plays to expect to win contests with, especially given, like we said, the fact that most of these backfields are going to be committee situations. You're probably going to be playing at most two running backs. And I can't see a road to three running backs being in the winning lineup in any of these contests this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's um, uh, some good insight there. Um, And then defense position, you know, do we know enough to (laughs) really, you know, recommend or lean one way or the other? I think
1: the funny thing is the field generally thinks it knows enough, right? Just about every week in CFL DFS, (laughs) you'll have one defense that winds up being 40 or 50% owned on the slate that everybody's just sure they know which one is the best pick. But defense is the most volatile position in fantasy sports. It just takes one interception touchdown to totally change the slate. So I think every team is in play this week, given the fact, again, we know nothing going into the season, and you have to be open to that. I think probably Winnipeg, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, and Montreal will be my top four plays, given their chances to create turnovers and sacks from interception-prone quarterbacks. Montreal is probably the lowest-owned option of that bunch, coming in the most affordable at 4K, but I'll have exposure to all eight of those defenses in one or two lineups at least in the kind of the lottery style contest, the $10 one, and just see what happens because you never know what defense is going to bring you. So if you're playing single entry, I would probably avoid Winnipeg as they will probably be the highest owned option on the slate. And as I said, I think probably regression brings them a little bit closer to the rest of the pack and Ottawa probably a little bit improved that there will be less of a chance that they're the top play on the slate despite the fact they're priced like it.
0: Yeah. And, and the defense position might be one of those positions where, you know, if you're struggling to build that lineup and stay within budget that, okay, well, maybe you can drop down, you know, because there's like a $2,000 swing yeah. from the lowest priced red blacks all the way to the, you know, $5,500 bombers.
1: Yeah. There's a significant gap. Yeah, I there. think there's some value yeah. there. Kind of finishing up yeah. with the uh, defense as opposed to starting there is probably a good way to build for the first few weeks for sure. Yeah, no,
0: that's good. That's good indeed. Um any final thoughts on DraftKings building lineups overall or Any strategies? I think we
1: went through most of the builds. I would just say, as I was mentioning to you pre-show, if you plan on playing CFL on DraftKings, this is probably the big week to go in and see how much you can win out of it because given that Ontario is no longer in the mix, given that a lot of people are kind of USFL eyes and haven't moved to CFL yet, we might see a significant drop in the size of these contests even by week two or three. So despite the fact Mm -hmm. we know so little going into week one, if you're hoping to make big money this season, this probably is going to be the week you want to go all in and just hope for the best, because these will be the biggest prize pools we see all season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think both, both on DraftKings, I think in Prize Picks, and even you know betting the lines, I think this is, this could be you know your your biggest week uh, of the season, because as things start to kind of shake out and and boil down and simmer down. Uh, everyone will kind of figure out, you know, who's top, who's not. Uh, and then it might be a little more challenging to, uh, to win some of those higher price contests. So if you're willing to, to follow team math and to, you know, do a little bit of homework, uh, then I think, yeah, this week, there's definitely some value there to be had. Okay, Ben, we did it. We got through it's, uh, the podcast is less than five hours long. So way to go, buddy. (laughs) Good work. That's awesome. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if uh, you're a returning listener, thanks very much for coming back and listening. Uh, as Ben mentioned off the hop at the top of the, the podcast, uh, he is not writing for CFL.ca this year. He's not um, you know, writing content for anywhere else. Uh, if you're looking for any of his insights that have been tried and tested and true over the last few seasons, uh, this is the place to find him right here on Plays in Action. So... Uh, if you're a new listener, if you're interested in in placing your first bet, um, I, I mean, you don't have to watch playoff hockey for very long on TV to realize that there is a lot of legal gambling now in Canada. Oh my gosh. They can sure dial back the number of ads on all that kind of stuff. But anyways, it's here now. And, uh, if you're looking to jump into CFL, then, uh, this is the place to, to, uh, to follow team math and uh listen to a couple of guys that do a little bit of homework and have a little fun with their cfl season so if you're a new listener thanks very much make sure to head over to prize picks use that code ben yamen b-e-n-y-a-m-e-n that uh by doing that supports this podcast and allows us to keep going so ben this was super fun to do this again and i'm glad we get to do this every week now for for what the next five months hooray football jared hooray football Hooray for football. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I hope you win some money and have a lot of fun along the way.